This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The Kindled Podcast is focused on helping moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Well, hello, and welcome to episode four of Kindled. For today's episode, I sat down and talked with Bonnie Greiner of Mom by Example, a ministry for mothers where Bonnie shares her tips on child rearing, marriage, and motherhood, and offers real grassroots, down-in-the-dirt style encouragement for moms like you and me. Bonnie raised eight kids, homeschooling them all, while working from home, and pursuing her interests and things that just gave her life in those early years as so much of her time and energy was given to her family. And she sits down with me today and just shares encouragement for you wherever you're at in your journey of motherhood and work and trying to figure out what that looks like, how to juggle it all, how to maintain a semblance of balance and just offers grace. And I'm, I've been really encouraged personally by her ministry. I first stumbled across Bonnie's um, webpage, Mom by Example, at some point in the last few months, just in the Christian interwebs of the internets. And I joined her Facebook page and have really gleaned a lot of wisdom from watching her Facebook Live videos that she comes on and does, and just the encouragement she offers moms. And she's been there, she's seen it all, done it all um, in terms of motherhood, and I think she just has some really good insight and perspective kind of from a few years ahead of us and can look back and say, hey, you're going to be okay. So I'm so honored that she sat down to talk talk with me, and I can't wait for you to hear So I'm not going to hold it up anymore. Here you go. Here's Bonnie Greiner from Mom by Example. So Bonnie, welcome to Kindled and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Um, Well, I first discovered your ministry. I guess you you call it a ministry, right? Um, I do. I first discovered your ministry. I don't remember where I heard about it, but I ended up finding your blog and downloading some of your resources and then stumbled into the Facebook community where you, you know, go live with just advice and tips and encouragement for moms all the time. And I have really, really enjoyed following along with that and just honestly found a lot of very practical encouragement in my own life as a mom of little kids. And so I I love what you're doing with that. But how did all of that kind of get started? And what's, you know, how did you kind of start that ministry? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, well, thank you for those kind words. It actually started with a Christmas present 
five years ago from one of my teenage sons who gave me a box and inside the box was a piece of paper that said he had bought me a domain and a place on the World Wide Web because he travels all over the world eight to nine months a year with his band, August Burns Red, and he meets kids from very dysfunctional families. And he said that he didn't realize the power that moms have until he went worldwide and met so many children who didn't quite have the family that he was raised in. And so he asked if I could just maybe give some tips to younger moms from an older mom um, through the World Wide Web. Oh, that is so sweet. That's awesome. That's nothing like the testimony of someone that you actually raised, right? <laughs> well, it was quite humbling. Oh my gosh. I like, yeah, that, that's like winning the Nobel prize as a mom for your kid to come back to you though and say, Hey, you did such a great job. Do you think you could do this for other people? Well, I think he just meant that other moms need to know that they are examples. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what, tell me more about your family life and you know, what your, what your family looked like as you were raising those eight kids and kind of tell me your story. All right. I, my story is a little bit different than most of the others I've read. God has a sense of humor. I was raised in a Jewish home in Philadelphia, and we were raised in a Jewish school. Um, I didn't know any Christians. I didn't care to know any Christians. And then I went to high school and college, and then a second college where someone asked me out on a date. And I went because I was sort of lonely, and he ended up witnessing to me through the Old Testament and telling me that I needed to have Jesus in my heart. And I decided that was the end of our dating. And he kept pursuing me. And eventually, um, I did ask Jesus into my heart. And I ended up marrying him, um, not realizing that he was a hog farmer from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I had never even eaten pork. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm marrying someone. So we got married, and I had never opened the New Testament. And within five years, I had four sons, we had four pregnancies and four sons. And They were ahead of me in Sunday school. They were coming home and telling me stories from the New Testament I had never even heard or read. So I quickly, quickly tried to read through the Bible as you can with four young children. And I found that they were the books of the old of the old and New Testament were filled with treasures. And I just devoured it every free moment. I would read and read and take notes. And those notes ended up being things that I blog about now. Wow, that's amazing. So you got married you said not realizing that your husband was a pig farmer. I mean, did you realize that before you married him? (laughs) Well, we visited the farm. We met at Penn State University in Pennsylvania. And so we visited the farm. I didn't ask many questions about it, maybe because I really didn't want to know. I'm not sure. (laughs) Or maybe God just put blinders on my eyes just to make sure it happened, because I do believe it's God's perfect will that we married. We couldn't be more opposite. Um, But I went through an awful time after we were married and realized what life on a farm was like. I was away from all my relatives and friends, brand new Christian, brand new wife, brand new away from home. And actually nine months after the birth of our fourth son, our oldest was five, our youngest was nine months old, I actually packed my bags and left. Not something that I'm proud of, but um, it turned out to be one of the best things that could have happened because God found me and arranged a miraculous relationship with someone that I had never met who guided me back home. And from that day on, my life changed. Wow, that's incredible. So um, if we could just camp out on that for one second, um, kind of, if I mean, I think you said you're not proud of it. And I, 
I understand what, what you mean by that. But also I think like I can identify to probably some of the right. feelings that you were feeling with, I mean, four kids, you said the oldest was five. Yes. Oh my goodness. And then the youngest five months. So it was nine. Oh, I actually nine months. Okay. So, I mean, what were some of the feelings and thoughts that you had maybe that were, you know, if you can share like that were, that kind of prompted you to just that, that moment of, you know, I can't do this anymore. Desperation. Yes, I would love to. Cause I think what I was feeling is really common in our culture today. I was raised on Disney. And so I thought when I married my husband, um, no matter what he was currently doing, he was going to meet all my needs. Cause I married Prince charming. I was sure of it. So I gave the marriage sort of a 50, 50, and I didn't think he was doing his part. That was part of it. The second thing was I kept asking God, when was it time for me? Like I wasn't having mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. It was just repeat, you know, wash dishes, change diapers, nurse baby and repeat. And so I was so lost. My thinking was so off kilter. And then I praised the Lord. As I said, I met someone who redirected me home and said that my circumstances weren't going to change, but I always had a choice as to my attitude. Mm, yeah. And that was the beginning. Yeah. That, um, that message definitely it needs to be heard loud and clear, I think, by moms, including myself, because I think the hard thing that we face is that, like, being a mother is one of the most challenging things, if not the most challenging thing as a, yes. as a woman that you can really undergo and, and face and wake up for every day. And yet, though our circumstances don't always change, and though that difficult thing that we sometimes dread waking up to doesn't change, we can be transformed in the midst of it. Uh, That's right. Our choice. Yes. So talk to me about kind of what, what the transformation looked like for you coming from that place of desperation and what led you to, you know, coming back home and and what was the shift in your heart that happened? Well, thank you. You're asking great questions. It really is an honor to be on here with you because I love your heart. I love what you're doing for young moms. And I'll share about that in a minute. I wanted to live a life without regret, and I found that if I did not change my attitude, I, that's exactly where I was headed. And so when I returned home, I asked God continually for help and strength. However, in addition to that, and that's major, I recognized that he was Lord of my life, he was directing my steps, that I had to give 100% of myself to the marriage, not 50, that marriage was 100%, 100%. I also understood that I couldn't lose myself. And I had lost myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the main ways that we can come back, I think, is exactly what you're doing and you're promoting, and that is working from home. Mm-hmm. I found myself again through some things that happened at home. And I also learned to be very grateful for what I had. And I had never really been thankful or grateful during those first five years that I was a mom. I just kept complaining. Yeah, that's beautiful. The working from home, like what what did you discover? I mean, what it was? do you feel like you didn't, before understand that your skills and gifts were valuable still, even in your motherhood, like, you know, the things that maybe you felt before you had to, before you had children that had made you come alive as a person and an individual, did you feel like you had lost those and not realize that they were still valuable? That's exactly what happened. And I often felt guilty if I even thought about pursuing something that had been an interest before. Mm -hmm. And that's where so many moms are missing it. 
we have to remember who we are and what our passions are. And yes, it will look a little differently in each chapter of our life, but we tend to lose ourselves. And that's exactly what had happened to me. I just was under such condemnation and comparing myself to other people. And after returning home from wandering, I understood that my passions were still from God and I could use my passions and my gifts in my home and my children would be blessed, my husband would be blessed, and I would be blessed. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I I experience, you know, I think I'm kind of an I was raised entrepreneur family kind of so that that's always been sort of part of my frame of reference and understanding that you know, I have skills and gifts to, to give, but I think what has been hard for me and being, you know, raised that way. And with those ideas that, you know, I can do anything, I can build a business is then now when you have kids, you realize that someone else's priorities come before yours and and necessarily for a number of years, if not really forever. Um, and I think what has been hard for me to kind of break down is this lie that, there's, it's all or nothing. It's this extreme kind of way of thinking that either I'm going to do this all, you know, all this one way that, you know, nobody can interrupt me. I can have no interruptions. I can have no give and take. I can have no kind of, you know, more mild approach or, you know what I'm saying? I feel no, like I'm, exactly I'm kind of an extreme personality and, and that's a lie that we can't, you know, that there isn't another way that there isn't, a way to both be a mother and, and pursue your passions and gifts that God gave you. I agree a thousand percent. We really do share the same heart. I made a list of my priorities when I came home that day. I made a list and I think all, many of us listening would have the same priorities. God was first, my husband was second, my kids were third, and my church and community were fourth. And they sync together very well. And I learned to snatch time. It's exactly what you're saying. I think many of us, without even thinking, have put our kids above our husbands Mm -hmm. in our properties. We wouldn't want to admit it. And so there's a way to do things in the correct order by snatching time. And so I tried to make sure that I had at least 30 seconds of devotions a day, which sounds ridiculous. And some people might be getting off this podcast right now, but 30 seconds was better than nothing. And sometimes I would try for a minute or two or more than that. And I made sure that I chose to be joyful when my husband came home from his farm work and I did, of course, do things for the children, but I also found time for myself and to make a business and to complete several businesses at home. And as I said, it was just what I needed. Well, that's so freeing because, I mean, I don't know, in this culture and, I mean, unfortunately, with just so much accessible at our fingertips and so much comparison, I I mean, I struggle with seeing, you know, someone else's outsides and their perfect, you know, portrayal of their life and their quiet time with their coffee on the couch. And, (laughs) you know, the mornings that I don't get that, I feel like, okay, well, I can, how am I even supposed to do this? I can't even have a quiet time and do all the million things people need from me. And my kids need, you know, eggs and waffles and milk. And, (laughs) you know, it's, and you start to feel maybe like a sense of pity and kind of just this little party that you start throwing for yourself in your I don't know. That's how my mind goes to that dark place. And that's, that's a, a message that I need to hear that, you know, 30 seconds sometimes is, is all that you have in the morning. And yeah, that can be okay. Yes, I agree with you. And I think we need to also be very, very sensitive as to how much we do for our church and community that may not be God directed, but we sort of guilt directed. Mm. We, there might be things, I mean, we don't have to be in charge of the 
school of the class that our kids are in and we don't have to be in charge of Sunday school and Awana and a hundred other things just because we're good at it. I think Mm -hmm. we have to weigh things very, very carefully. And that's something that I didn't do for the first five years. And unfortunately, my children um, often were hurt by my poor choices of being so busy and then stressed when I was home. Yeah. I just heard um, Christy Wright, who's one of Dave Ramsey's personalities on another podcast, uh, the God-Centered Mom podcast. And she said, when she used to make decisions, she used to ask these two questions and that would guide whether she did something or not. She said, she would ask, do they need me? And can I do it? (laughs) And that was, those were the only two parameters that she would ask. And, you know, the answer to both of those was always yes. Like she could always do something, you know, she's capable and, and strong and able, but that wasn't getting her towards her goals or valuing her family and God where they needed to be. That's exactly right. And we do that all the time without even thinking and we have to stop. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, talk to me more about snatching time. What does that, what does that mean? What did that look like for you as a mother of little kids? And, you know, how did you kind of practically, give yourself freedom. And then you mentioned the mom guilt. I mean, that's, there's so many things here that I feel like we could have a full blown episode <laughs> on, but just kind of, kind of give, give me some practical ideas of, and what did that look like for you? Yes. I knew that I had my priorities. And so snatching time for me also included the time I spent with my children. So I did have one-on-one time with each of the children during the day. It might not have been a lot of time. It could have been 10 or 15 minutes at a time, but I did that. And then my first at-home job was, it sounds so funny right now even to say it, but I made Christmas bows all year long for a local industry, and I was paid per bow. I was paid a dollar per bow. And so if I had a minute or five minutes, I would sit down and I'd whip out some Christmas bows. I could still talk to my kids. I could. So I, I catered what I did at the very beginning to the fact that I had a nursing baby, a baby under two and three more, five and under. So that's, I sort of catered it. And then as the years went on, I found that I could do more. I started speaking to mops groups and my husband and I prayed about it and I would talk about two or three times a month and it worked out perfectly because mops groups have classes for younger children. And so that's how it evolved. I, I made it work with what I was doing now and it's amazing what we can do. We moms are really talented people. Yeah, very true. I love that you are talking about this because bringing up some of those feelings and thoughts that I've had as I am kind of, you know, I guess what people would say multitasking, being a mom and also running a business and there's some overlap that happens sometimes and it's not always you don't mm-hmm. want to be split and and spread over all these different priorities at the same time and and I understand that and and agree with it to a degree but I also feel that like in my own life and work there are some times where it has to overlap and I think that there is grace for me in that and <laughs> I think that there are times where it's good for my kids to be told, no, I can't play with you yet. Mommy has to send a couple emails and then we'll do something. And it's okay for them to see me, you know, not just maybe serving their every whim and need, but also serving other people and serving the skills and gifts that God has given me. I agree 100%. I do. And I I think that it's very easy to go to either extreme. And yet I think that you found a very good balance and it, and a balance is easy to find as long as we recognize that we can go off balance. Yeah, very true. So what, what did that transition look like for you as you went from something like 
making the bows on the couch while nursing the baby, you know, what came next for you? And I mean, maybe if anything, this is just offering hope to the mom who is at that stage of sitting on the couch, nursing babies and doing puzzles on the floor right. and potentially doesn't believe that she'll ever get beyond it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked that because actually from the making bows, it did evolve. And I want to it evolved to things like the speaking, which I am passionate about. And so instead of speaking once or twice a month or so, I ended up speaking two or three times a week locally. And so that really grew for me. And then I started writing books and my children helped me and, and we worked through it together and we found graphics for the books together. But I want to really encourage moms. What is your passion? Is it making meals? I have so many girlfriends who make meals and sell them to friends. I mean, whatever. Really? That's oh, awesome. It's huge in this county where I'm living. That's one way. We also did babysitting for a season because I wanted my three daughters to learn how I felt you would raise a baby just in case they end up in some foreign country or a, a state far away and I wasn't around. And that really fit in nicely. It was good money. We fell in love with the babies. We had each baby till they went to kindergarten. And my three daughters know how to care for babies. So I would really encourage the moms that are listening, what what are your passions? Because we can you can always make them fit in your day. You can. Yeah, that's awesome. That message needs to be heard. And I think you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think there's a couple of things that we have to overcome, like this idea that it's either all or nothing. And, right. and that's, that's a lie. Um, but then there's this also this imposter complex, maybe this concept that who am I to be doing this thing? And, you know, what right do I have if I'm not able to dedicate a hundred percent of my time and be the best and be the top cream of the crop of whoever's doing this, making bows or making meals and if anybody else is out there doing it, we get afraid and, you know, and doubt ourselves and want to kind of stay in our safe box. Um, I mean, at least I do. I think that's a tendency for some, for a lot of moms, maybe in, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, social media doesn't help because we can see everybody in the world who is doing everything that we right. wish we could do or think that God might be calling us to. And then we get, you know, we kind of cower away from that. Um, what would you say to those to that mom or that woman who's feeling that way? You've hit the nail on the head. And what I would say is that I think that probably over 90%, and it's probably almost 95, 97% of women, especially moms of young children in this country, have mindset issues. And I would encourage moms, if the Bible doesn't say what you're thinking you are, don't think it. The Bible is only very, it's so encouraging that we have the mind of Christ and we can do this and we're wonderfully made. And I, I talk about Hillary Clinton and she was saying years ago that it takes a village to raise a child. Well, years ago I disagreed with that and I do to this day. I think it takes a village to raise a mom. Mm -hmm. we, we need each other. We need these podcasts and we need a lot of the things that are on social media and we need our church groups and our women's ministries and we need to understand that we are believing lies about ourselves. It's exactly what you've said. And unfortunately, when we believe it month after month and year after year, it not only affects us, but it affects our daughters that we're raising. So we have to only believe and say something if we can find it in the Bible, because that's really the only truth that we have in this wild and wacky world. Yeah, that reminds me of um, <clears throat> in the garden when, um, right. you know, when they sinned and uh, then Eve says, you know, the serpent said all of these things and God asks who told you that? 
exactly right. And that question, did you, I've heard that somewhere recently. I'm not sure if you're the one that brought that up in one of your Facebook videos, but that quote, and that's just really, that question of God saying, who told you that has just been echoing in my mind. And it's so powerful because we believe a lot of things that not, that God did never tell us, you know, he never said, he never said, who are you? He's, he gave us gifts and said, you know, go and be, be fruitful and multiply and live as lights in the world and live as salt in the world. And, and we can absolutely do that in our motherhood, but we can also pursue these other gifts that he gave us at the same time. We can. And if I can just say one more thing about the Christmas bows, I mean, how ridiculous is it really to think about making Christmas bows? This gentleman who owned the business taught me how to do it in three hours. And I sat on a sofa or chair nursing a baby making bows. But I became known as the bow lady of my town. And I started a Bible study at my home on Monday nights. Well, guess who came? My bow customers. Mm -hmm. And guess how many people who wouldn't go to church or didn't know the Lord, came to know the Lord through my Bible studies on Monday nights because I sold them Christmas bows. So I don't want any mom out there to think that she's doing something that really doesn't matter because everything we do can touch other people, even a Christmas bow. Wow, that's amazing. That's so cool because it's like if you had, you know, seen that opportunity or been taught how to make bows and said, no, you know, I'm I'm not able to pursue that. I, you know, I need to be 100% on my kids. There's no room for me. And and done this martyrdom thing where you said, no, you know, I can't do that. And, and then not only would you probably have been bitter and, and bored and, you know, under, (laughs) underutilized as a woman and with the skills that you actually had, but then you wouldn't have been able to actually share the gospel with your friends and community. It's exactly right. That's amazing. I mean, that's, there you go, evidence right there that <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's more than one reason to actually follow the, the call of the Spirit in your life. So how do we, you know, if, if, for the woman who's kind of hearing what you're saying and going like, that makes sense to me, how do I know what I can handle at this season of my life? I have like practical questions that you would say a woman should ask herself to discern what I should do in this season of life, or is that just so individualized? Well, no, I think there's, I could answer really um, with two tips. The first is I went to my husband because he knows me better than anyone. And as much as I sort of was dreading what he'd say, because I assumed he'd say no, because I was so stressed most days, but he didn't say no. Mm -hmm. He said, I think that's a great idea. And I think there's time during the day that you can carve out and that would be good for everyone in the home. And so I would say, ask your husband or your mom or dad, whoever you think knows, knows you really well. But the second thing I learned was that I needed to carve out an hour a day just for me to even remember who I was and what I enjoyed doing. And so I, I learned how to get all the kids to be quiet for an hour from two to three every afternoon weekdays. From the baby to the five-year-old, six-year-old, they could play quietly on their beds, but unless they were bleeding and needed to go to the (laughs) ER, they had to stay quietly on their beds while mom had an hour to rediscover who I was. Mm -hmm. And it was during that period of an hour a day, five days, I didn't do the dishes, I didn't vacuum, I just sat down and tried to remember what I really enjoyed about life, and that's when it came to me these different options. Wow. That's awesome. What a easy, I mean, I say easy, but what a simple and kind of focused way to, to do that. That's, that's great. That's, and I think most women can probably get to that place of, uh, you know, I mean, maybe not when you have a a two day old baby at home, but at some point you find yourself where, okay, I figured it out. I've kind of figured out the kids and, you know, then somebody's schedule will change, but I, you get to different parts (laughs) of, 
you know, ages and seasons where you feel like you mastery, you have some mastery over your schedule or your life for just a minute. And, um, and there are those pockets where we tend to fill with, like you mentioned, dishes, cleaning, laundry, I've got to make dinner. And, and that for me, like when I use that time and that margin, um, not to rejuvenate and fill my cup is when, you know, when my husband walks in the door that evening and I just kind of want to, you know, spew yuckiness <laughs> and I don't feel, I feel frustrated and like, well, I just had a bad day today. Don't you care about how bad my day was? And, and that's just, yeah, such a, I, I, I like that you're saying it's okay to use those times not to be productive in the way that you might think you should. That's exactly right. The dishes will wait. And it's true. And once I rediscovered myself, it didn't take more than even maybe a few weeks to a month, then everything started rolling. I just felt so much better about myself having those hour off a day, five days a week. Yeah, that's awesome. Good tips. So what is God teaching you right now in your season of life? You have children, you have how many grandchildren do you have? We have six, some are on the way. Oh, fun. That's so awesome. What, what do you feel like you're learning now? I mean, a, after you've kind of come through maybe this season that I'm in of being in the trenches and trying to figure it out and sweating half the day because you're carrying around a 30-pound toddler, you know how that goes. But what do you feel like you're – what's the lesson that God is kind of drilling into your soul now? Yeah, that's really good. I am um, mentoring several young moms, and I am spending hours and hours a day messaging other moms who have messaged me and writing newsletters um, on my Mom by Example blog, and I'm going to be starting a new book. So, And I'm also speaking sometimes up to seven or eight times a week. I do a lot of uh, weekend conferences, so that's what's filling up my time. I could not find an older woman to help me when I was a younger mom, and so now that I am the older woman, I really want to concentrate on that. That's awesome. I... I love when women start doing this, like what you're doing, where you are taking, you know, the trials and the difficult seasons of life that you have walked through and turning those around and speaking to someone in that spot. And, uh, and that's so awesome. I, this fall, I had been feeling like for several years, actually, my husband and I had both kind of been feeling, we go to a church that has a pretty young population and, Mm -hmm. You know, I just felt like this kind of hole in my life for like an older mentor type figure that was, you know, further along in their spiritual walk than me and could I could just look to as sort of a model of what does it look like to kind of be on the other side of raising kids and what does it look like to have a happy marriage and just be a few steps ahead. And so we actually did get connected with a couple from our church and it has just been so life giving to walk alongside someone, um, even in the next season or two ahead of you, just to feel that there is hope and, you know, and they give perspective to what you're dealing with now. Like this is not forever, whatever difficulty you're walking through, it won't last forever. Good for you. I applaud you and your husband for doing that. More couples need to do that. It's awkward for us. I feel like as the younger woman and probably also as the older woman in that situation, it's kind of an awkward exchange to have and maybe figure out like, how do I have find a mentor? Like what, how do I do that? And does somebody want to mentor me? You know, I mean, is that, am I asking too much? Like, how would you advise for a woman to go about that? 
Another excellent question. I would just go up to a woman that you've thought about. That's what happens with me. I'll get a message, sometimes a text, sometimes a Facebook message, or I was just in the grocery store over the weekend for a Super Bowl party. A young mom came up to me and she said, you don't know me. I follow you on Mom by Example. Could you mentor me? And we talked a couple more minutes in the grocery store, and I am gladly meeting with her. I And that's the best way to do it. The worst case scenario, there have been times when I've had to say no, because I'm already mentoring three or four young moms. And I'll say, well, this isn't the best time. Could could you get back to me? Is there someone from your church? So don't be embarrassed. It's it's such an honor. It's such a humbling honor to have someone ask you to do that. No one's going to be insulted. You're not bothering anyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that that does make me feel better as... Yeah, that I mean, that's just, a, it's just, a you, you have to put yourself out there. And there's that fear of rejection. And but like you said, it's, it's really an honor. And the worst they can say is, you know, it's not a good time. But maybe I have a friend or why don't, why don't you ask your church? That's exactly what I've done that I have, I've have several friends who I've called beforehand and said, Hey, if I ever run into somebody, would you be open? Every single one of my friends said yes. And so I have been able to do that. That's awesome. Good for you. Heading a little bit back to our conversation about this this season of, you know, being a mother of young children. If you could have if you could go back in time in a time machine and talk to younger Bonnie at home with all of her kids, is there something you would say that you know would have just given calm and peace to your heart at that time? Yes, but it's probably not the answer you're expecting. <laughs> okay. I would have shown more physical affection to my husband, and I would have affirmed him more often in front of the children. Mm, that's really interesting. Okay. Why do you say that? Well, I, I purposed in my heart to spend quality time with each of the children every day, and I was faithful with that to the best of my ability. Although each pregnancy I was sick longer, I could still love on them from you know laying on the sofa. But my mm-hmm. husband um, didn't really get as much of me as he should have received because I was so busy with the children. And so I think um, in the light of today's world and marriages, I think there's more I could have said to my five sons about their dad that would have built them up as young men growing into soon to be married men. And there's more I could have done to show my daughters the importance of honoring and respecting their husband. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of um, convicting to me because I think we can get so focused on how to manage the family that we forget about, you know, pouring into our marriage. And I don't know how else our children are supposed to really understand a godly idea of marriage unless it's through what they see in their own home. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, a lot of times if I just snapshotted my life, it would probably look like, you know, mom being stressed and complaining to dad when he gets home and dad encouraging her. And yeah, I need to, I need to let that kind of sink in my soul a little bit. And gosh, I need God's help for that for sure. Yeah, I, do. You had, I think you had said something about if I could give one tip, something like that, yes. younger moms. Yes. And I, the one tip that I would give was one of the tips given to me when I ran away from home. And that was that when I was going to go back home and the circumstances weren't going to change, there were going to be many times raising young children where from minute to minute, there could be a situation I had no idea how to deal with. I mean, you know, in the context of a day, there could be 50 things that happen that there's no biblical answer for. You know, one of my daughters cut the other one's hair and one of them painted the dog and all those times where you think what in the world this the right. person advised me to just physically take a step back and breathe and understand that 
this chapter will not go on forever. I think sometimes it's like a runaway railroad car where we are just going 90 miles an hour and we get wrapped up in the situation. We get so upset with our children. I needed to learn to just stop the, the train and back up and smile and thank God for my family and breathe. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking of situations that happened even in my own house this week where I feel like you you kind of have that gut feeling or instinct that you feel the crazy train is starting to take right. off and it's like you hop on and you're like, okay, right. here we go. Yeah. We're all going down. <laughs> it's this day is just ruined and now we're right. all going to pay for it. And um, yeah, that's, that's so hard because it takes right not launching into anger or yelling, which I tend to, I, I mean, I don't know. I tend towards being angry about stuff like that. Yes. Most of us do. But I think another one of my tips is if you can remember back to when you were in elementary school or high school or maybe you went to college or your first job after high school, it was a chapter of your life that's now a memory. These first five to eight years with your young children, it's a chapter. And so when you look back on it 10 years from now, 20 years from now, how do you want to feel about this chapter? And I think that's how we go ahead minute by minute, day by day. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. What do you do for fun? in your life yeah. today. Well, thanks. I've have since I've learned so much about snatching time, I still do that. My college degree is in landscaping and flower arranging. So I like doing weddings for people. I'll just snatch an hour here, snatch an hour there. I'll do centerpieces. If it would ever get warm in Pennsylvania, I'd be outside trying to plant perennials or doing some landscaping. So I snatch time and mostly work outside or work with flowers and plants. So you you your college degree was landscaping? Yes. Did you um, work at all after you graduated in that industry? I did. I Well, I was a teacher. I taught it in a, at a technical school. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, what verse is giving you life right now and why? It's probably the same two verses that I've had all 30 years of raising my children, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I tend to be an anxious person. So when the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, um, my heart and mind will be guarded and I'll have peace. And I think that has taken me through many tough trials. I tend towards that anxiety as well. What are some of the things that you have found like when you enter into those maybe or kind of go down that anxiety spiral. I mean, what are the things that, that come to mind in light of Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Another great question. Our fifth pregnancy ended in a stillborn son. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first time I understood that there was nothing I could do in my own power to help that son. And as I started thinking about it, I realized I can't even make my own next breath. I can't make my heart beat. Who did I think I was to be anxious about anybody? Mm. I can't change anyone. And so literally I learned to walk around and I opened my closed hands sort of as a symbolic gesture that all I have is God's. And if I'm walking around, you know, with fists and closed fists and just demanding my own way or being anxious or fearful, which is so easy to do with children, um, I can't change anything. And so I need to do things God's way, just open-handed and trusting And that physical posture does something for your heart, I think, when you approach life and even receive life and what God brings, the difficulty along with the blessings in that posture, it does something for your heart, too. Yes. Um, 
Wow. Okay. Well, that's, this has been so great. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? No, I really appreciate you asking me. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for just coming on and sharing some of your life and stories and your experiences and your commitment in this ministry to encourage moms and pour into them. And I am just, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. Well, thank you. I feel the same thing about you and your podcast. Thank you very much. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Wasn't that conversation just so refreshing? I just love Bonnie's down-to-earthness and realness that sometimes, as a mom of littles, I can lose sight of. I love that she was vulnerable enough to say that there was a time in her life that her devotional was 30 seconds. Although she started out her motherhood journey with somewhat of a broken and dysfunctional relationship to work, through her journey, God actually redeemed work for her by bringing her into a new and more right understanding of her mission as a mother and her responsibility as a woman, a responsibility to steward what had been given to her, to live into the abilities and interests and loves that God gave her. And she found freedom in that freedom that actually enabled her to love her family better to live more fully and to have ultimately more complete synchrony in her life as she was doing the hard but beautiful work of raising her kids, as well as what she found effortless and enjoyed doing outside of them. I love that it is a story in which it breaks our boxes and understanding of what it could look like to mother eight kids and homeschool them. And that somehow amidst all of that and all of the to-dos that come along with those duties that she was able to transform the way that she understood herself. Part of her story is running away from her work and looking for satisfaction outside of that, perhaps, but then being brought back into an understanding that ultimately satisfaction is only found in Christ. And when we look to Him for our hope and our identity, He can redeem everything, even the broken things of our lives, even the dysfunctional relationships to our work and our duties and what we feel we don't have a choice in and the things that are hard and exhausting and draining to us. And that even in those, He can be found and He can be glorified. I've been following her for a few months now, and it's just really been a helpful tool for me to hear from her and go back and watch her live videos. I always find something that is helpful and applicable to my own life. If you'd like to connect with Bonnie further, just find her at mombyexample.com or on Facebook when you search Mom by Example. Thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you next week.